Well, welcome everybody. Good to see you this weekend. Welcome everybody who's uh, watching online right now. And I'm glad to have you here at Grace. Hey, I wanted to say a quick word of thanks to everyone uh, who pitched in this last week. We had a, uh, a conference here. Uh, we had about 300 pastors from all over the country, actually all over the world, uh, that came in. And so many of you volunteered and gave your time and opened your homes and just grateful for that. They were blown away by uh, the, the hospitality of Grace Church. So thank you for doing that. Uh, we feel like that was a really good investment, uh, that that's going to affect a lot of other churches uh, with some fresh vision and some new ideas. Uh, so thanks for sharing us a little bit, and uh, thank you for being a part of that. That's why the, the every, all the pastors and staff look tired. This is my 14th sermon in seven days. So what I'm trying to say is it's all in the book. We're just going to read the Bible quietly <laughs> together, and uh, you guys figure it out. Let me know what you come up with, and... I'll go take a nap, no, but, uh, but seriously, thank you for that. You're, you're, you are so generous about loaning us out and uh, so generous about sharing what God has, uh, has created here at Grace that it really does kind of bless the rest of the kingdom of God, so thank you for doing that. Uh, we are in a, a, a new series, we're starting a new series this weekend called Mixed Messages, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about mixed messages and how they come at us. And where do we go? What, how do we anchor ourselves? How do we kind of cut through noise? How do we discern? Where do we glean wisdom from? And how do we sort through these mixed messages? We live in a, a time that I think actually is really, really exciting. Uh, but it's a unique time. Literally, no other time in human history has been like this, where so many opinions are able to be voiced and so many opinions are able to be broadcast kind of directly to us. Uh, so it used to be back in the day, you know, if you wanted somebody's opinion besides your mom's, uh, you had to like go to school and maybe a, a teacher or a professor would give you an opinion or you go to a library and read an author and then later on, you know, just a just hundred years ago, you'd turn on the radio and not that, even shorter than that, you'd get the television and you'd have, you know, three or four networks that would talk to you. And it's really been in the last 10, 15 years that now through uh, the internet and social media, there are just millions of opinions that everyone can individually broadcast their voice and get it right in front of you on your phone. Now, I actually don't think that's a, a negative thing in and of itself because I also have a message, right? We have a message of the hope of Jesus and the truth of the gospel, and we can take advantage of that same outlet. So there is, there is no longer, those of us who are a little bit older, remember things like the iron curtain and the bamboo curtain. There's no longer such a thing. Uh, we can get in behind every door and into every individual, and that's the beauty of of social media, the, the, the flip side of the coin is that everybody's opinion is out there. So everybody has an argument and everybody has a counter argument and it's flowing at us all the time. And all of these mixed messages are coming at us. That tends to be what it is. We, we would look and say, how can that person believe so passionately about that and that person believe so passionately about the other thing? Uh, how come like this, some people would say you got to do this and some, per, some people would say you got to do the exact opposite thing. And then there's all these contradictory messages. There, there's hypocritical messages. There's confusing messages. It's, it's all out there everywhere. And as a follower of Christ, how do I sort it through and how do I lock into it 
and what do I do about it? Because some of these messages are uh, harmful and confusing. Some are confusing and, and it just doesn't matter that much. Like, why would you live in Ohio and root for Michigan? Obviously, you're in sin. Like, easily answered, right? But, the, but some of them are confusing and harmful and you don't really know what to do about it. Let me give you, let me give you kind of a, a sober example of this. So right now, all over the media, all over social media, everywhere, there's a conversation about how do we treat women, right? We don't degrade and disrespect women. And so this candidate is accused of doing this, and this candidate is accused of protecting her husband from doing that, and, it, and it's everywhere. It is the conversation right now. How do, you, how do you respect women, not degrade women, don't sexually harass women? It's an important conversation. It's a valid conversation, but the messages are mixed like crazy because you would hear this message like you don't touch and you only have permission and you only respect and you treat as equals and you don't do that. You would hear that message coming through all over the place and then you would turn on almost any pop song and they would, they would be singing about degrading and disrespecting women. And we would look and say, well, you're not allowed to say this or do this, or, but then we'll sing this song, and everything about this song is celebrating doing that. And women sing that song. And then sometimes, like the women who stand up and say, you know, I demand to be respected, I want to be honored, and they have a valid point, but then they're the ones who sang the song. They're the artist. And they would say, don't treat me like a sex object. And then you would watch their video or watch their live show. And all they do is use their body to sell sexuality. So it's a mix. It's confusing, right? So you would look and say, well, what? What are we supposed to do? Right? Because you say this and then you do this. And then he says this and then he does this. And she says this and then she does that. And it's a confusing, this actress will flare up and say, I am absolutely opposed, but then you watch her latest movie, or you'll watch this, this guy stand up, and we ought to respect, but then in his latest video or his latest movie, he's the biggest, right? So you, you look and say, well, that's a mixed message. And everybody's got an opinion, everything's coming at it, and they're, they're, something's right and something's wrong, and what is it? What am I supposed to do? Uh, another example, this kind of a serious one, but another example is issues of life. So we would look and say, you should respect children, right? We need to protect our children and make sure they have medical care and a good education and spend more on Head Start and all these kind of things. And I would argue and say, those are actually good values, right? Safe neighborhoods and this and that. In fact, there'll be TV commercials that'll play and some, somebody, some candidate will be saying all these horrible things and kids are watching, you know, so you should never let your children watch that. And then another TV commercial will play and <clears throat> this candidate has protected children her whole life and, and you should give them health care and all that. And, and you would look and say, well, that, 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 those, that seems like a good thing. And then those exact same person will say, and you ought to, within five seconds of a child leaving the womb, you ought to be able to shove scissors in their brain and kill them. Partial birth abortion. And you would look and say, well, wait a minute, I thought we were protecting it. Well, that's not a kid. Well, with one more push, it's a kid. Well, that's not a... And it's a mixed message. Do you, do you, we shouldn't bully. Let's not bully. Bullying is horrible and wrong, and it is, but then... We don't bully, and then every video game we play online against each other 
See? And so we get all of this on big levels. This shows up in our, our family room, right? You yell at your kids for dropping the F-bomb and you're the one that taught them the word, right? We yell to get, quit being lazy. You need to get off that couch. While you're up, hand me the remote. I'm going to have another, right? It, it, so it, it's not just them out there. Like it's us too, right? And it's mixed messages and mixed opinions and mixed. And, and so all of a sudden, all of these voices and who do we trust and who do we lock onto and where is the consistency and it's it's a confusing time and we need a mooring point we need to know what we can lock into and how we can kind of settle and satisfy these questions so throughout this series that's what we're going to be looking for we're going to go into god's word and we're going to lock into that mooring point and let me say this if you're not a follower of jesus christ yet what this is what this series will do it will show you in part God's heart and mind and what he thinks about things. It will also show you in part how a Christian comes to conclusions. So this is a big part of what we're going to be showing you. If you are a, a follower of Jesus, this is going to help you with it. How do you come to conclusions? Where, where do you get the information from? What, what do you lock back onto? How do you piece it together? And how do you decide kind of how to navigate these things and work through it. So if you're not a follower of Christ yet, you'll, you'll figure out like why Christians think differently and, and act differently, at least why we're supposed to. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we'll, we'll kind of reinforce and show you how to go through that process with some of the hot button issues that is in our, our culture today. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I want to kind of launch this series off by having a a big conversation about this this weekend. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's an aspect of following Jesus Christ that, that is very, very important and very foundational to your interaction with God and then ultimately the culture around us, and it's this. Christ followers are called to be clear-minded in the middle of cultural confusion. We are actually called to have a clear mind and a clear answer in the middle of cultural confusion. The Apostle Paul says this in chapter, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, or chapter 10, verse 5. He says this. He says, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Catch that again. We destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Here's what he's saying, and, and this is the way to get our head around a little bit. He's saying this, every thought I have, every ideology that's around me, every philosophy, every idea, every word, every thought I have, I capture, I don't, I don't just get blown and tossed by the wind and think what everybody else thinks if I'm a Christ follower. I capture that thought, I get a hold of that thought, and I bring it and I make it obedient to Christ. I bring it under Christ's authority. So I don't, I don't as a Christ follower, I just don't have all of my own opinions and I, what I think is what I think, or, and I don't just join in a group or get into a political party or system. Every thought I have, I take and I press it back against God's heart and God's mind. I grab it, I make myself, I make it captive, and I bring it in and I say, would Christ agree or disagree with this thought? Would, would Christ agree or disagree with this philosophy? Would, would Christ agree or disagree with this ideology? And I take it and I make it captive and obedient to Christ, or I bring it under the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Now what we're calling that in this series, we're calling that being single-minded. As a Christ follower, I am to be a single-minded person. I, I, I want to always go back and say, well, what does Jesus think, want, do? How did he live? What motivated him? How did he act? I have a singular purpose. I, when I'm looking for an answer, I'm going to Christ and the Word of God. I'm going and saying, I, I single-mindedly want to know what Christ does, how he thinks, and how he would approach this. Now, let me just lean into this for a second, okay? Single-minded, being single-minded is not being closed-minded. Those are very different things. Let's talk about this for a minute. Because our culture and even the church would say, let's not be closed-minded. Being single-minded is not the same as being closed-minded. Being closed-minded is this. When I look at you and say, your life must look exactly like my life. You must think what I think. You must act the way that I act. You must say words the way that I say words, meaning what I want them to mean. You must parrot what I do. That is a closed-minded mindset. Single-mindedness is different than that. As a Christ follower, I would look and say, being single-minded means this, that I believe that there is truth. I don't believe that truth is a mystery as a Christ follower. I don't believe that truth is undiscoverable as a Christ follower. As a Christ follower, by faith, I believe that there is truth and that that truth has a source. So as a Christ follower, I would look and say there is one source of truth, and that truth can be applied in multiple ways without altering the foundational truth. So as a Christ follower, that would be the Bible. That would look and say there is a source of truth. It's, it's God. It's God's heart and mind revealed through the Bible. Now, I'm not closed-minded. I would look and say that source can be applied in different ways, but applying it different ways does not alter the fact that there's a foundational truth that the application comes from, okay? So let me give you a really, really dumb example. What, what is this? Everybody tell me. What, what is this? You can say it. It's a spoon. That's right. Don't ever talk back to me again. You'll be tased and drug out of here. But it's a spoon, okay? This is a spoon. This is what this is. Now, the truth of what this is can be applied in different ways. So I could take this very large spoon. I could eat a very large bowl of Captain Crunch with this spoon, right? So I can use it to eat cereal. I could take this spoon and I could slurp soup out of this spoon. I could take this spoon and I could use it as an ice cream scoop. I could take this spoon, if you grew up in my house, uh, your mother may have smacked you with this spoon along the way, right? She would go for the spoon, so I always was conflicted. I had an eating disorder. I was afraid to go into the kitchen because I got hit there a lot, right, with the spoon, right? So you might, it might be a paddle. You could take this spoon and you could tap something into place. You could take this spoon, if you were at the beach, you could take this spoon and you could scoop it and you could make a sandcastle with this spoon. The foundational truth is inarguable and timeless and, and correct. This is a spoon. The application of that truth varies because we're not closed-minded. You, you don't have to use the spoon the way that I use the spoon. You can use the spoon however you want to use the spoon, but there's a foundational truth that doesn't vary. It is a spoon. This is a spoon. It is not a hamster. 
If you think it's a hamster, it's not a hamster. If you treat it like a hamster, if you put this in a little cage with tunnels and, and, and cedar chips, you put it in a little bowl that it could roll around, it won't roll around the house because it's a spoon, it's not a hamster. If the court ruled that this was a hamster, it would still not be a hamster. It would be a spoon. It's not a, sp it's a spoon for you, it's a hamster to me. No, it's a spoon. There's a foundational truth that can't be altered. Now, you can use the spoon differently, but the spoon is a spoon. The spoon is not a hamster. You should tweet that. Spoons are not hamsters. You should probably get a tattoo of that on your rib cage somewhere, right? It, the spoon is not a hamster because it's a foundational truth that cannot be changed. A Christ follower would look at God's word that way. We would look and say this is truth, that God speaks to us through his word, and we would by faith believe that this is the source of truth. Can the truth be applied differently? Sure. Can I take a verse and apply it to your finances? Sure. And then take that same verse and apply it to your marriage? Yeah. And to your parenting? Yeah. And to your problem with your roommate? Yeah. Truth can be applied differently, but there's a parameter of the application. The minute that I say that the Bible verse is no, libel, no longer a Bible verse, it's a hamster. What God's words, the way that I'm going to apply this is not in spoon world, but in hamster world. Now I violated the fundamental aspect of what truth is, see. Now when I get mixed messages then in my life, knowing that there is a source is what anchors me to know how to sort through those mixed messages. Let me show you how this works a little bit. In your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, in the Bibles that are provided for you, if you want to use those, it's page 815. Ephesians chapter 4, page 815. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul doing this very thing. He's reinforcing the idea that there is a foundational truth that can't be altered. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, he says this. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father and all of all who is over all and through all and in all. The Apostle Paul is talking to the early church and they're getting mixed messages. Bunch of different religions, bunch of different faiths, bunch of different ideas about who Jesus is. And this is an example of the Apostle Paul bringing back to this concept that the spoon is a spoon, it's not a hamster, that there is a foundation of truth. He says, guys, listen, there is one body and one spirit. I know that there's a ton of different religions out there, but one is right and many are wrong. He draws a line. There, there's one body and one spirit. There, there's one church, and it is, it is the church that Christ himself initiated the day of Pentecost. So you might look and say, so Jeff, are you saying that every church has to be just like Grace Church? Nope. Every church has to have music just like Grace does? Nope. Every church has to have an incredible hot and sexy pastor like Grace Church does? Nope. Right? <laughs> Obviously, they can't hit that standard. Right? So, right? No, I'm not saying that. Are you saying that every church has to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, died for our sins, and rose again from the dead, or they're not a church? Yes. Because a spoon's a spoon, it's not a hamster. Now, now we, if we don't believe in Christ, now we've moved beyond 
the, the parameters of truth. You're closed-minded. No, actually, I'm not. I'm not saying you've got to be like me. I'm just single-minded. There, there is one. And by faith, I'm accepting that one as the one that the Bible lays out. And this is what Paul is saying. Uh, he, he said, there, there's one. There's one hope. Are you trying to tell me that there's only one way to heaven? Yeah. Actually, I'm not. Jesus said it. Jesus, the Jesus I know would accept everybody. The Jesus you know does accept everybody, but he doesn't call the, the spoon a hamster. He's the one that said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father. He's the one. I'm just repeating what he said. So there's only one, not all, Pat, no, we don't, we can't coexist. That, that's why we tell people about Jesus. There, there's a truth, and there's a parameter to that truth. So I have to agree with you about everything that Jesus, oh, no, 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 I'm not closed-minded, I'm not saying that. But the spoon is not a hamster. And so there, there's a line. And, and as a Christ follower, we would accept that by faith, that there's, there is a, a source. There's a, a bottom line. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is in all and over, over all. And when we're looking to work through the noise of of what happens around us. And that noise is not all bad, and you, don't, you shouldn't throw your smartphone away. And I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying as we, as we sort it through, a Christ follower, very, very, very like Jesus 101 stuff, bottom line, a Christ follower would look to God's word and say, yeah, we, we would accept that as the source of truth, the definition of life, the authority in our life. If I'm going to weigh every other idea against what the Bible says, and if it doesn't line up with what the Bible says or what good theology and sound doctrine teaches, then I'm going to discount the idea, and I'm going to accept what the Bible says. We would look out at the ideas and the values of the world around us, and we would weigh them against the validity of the Bible. We wouldn't weigh the validity of the Bible against the idea well, there's a new idea, let's change the Bible. No, we would invert that as a Christ follower. We would look, new idea, what does God's word say, right? So when we start weighing these things, we want to go back to the book, right? And, and we want to look and say, Let, let's dig at this answer and find this answer in the book. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, with our money, all of us interact with money, and there's all kinds of different ideas about money, uh, some people would say the 1% are evil, and we should, we should take all their money, give it to the poor, right? Uh, some people would say, if, if you love God, he'll bless you, he'll make you wealthy. Some people would say, I don't want to live in a normal house, I want to live in a tiny house and pull it behind my, my Prius, <laughs> right? So who's right and who's wrong? A bunch of ideas about that. Who's right and who's wrong? Because it seems like you guys aren't closed-minded. Like, like there's, there's some people who love Jesus and follow Jesus. They got a bunch of money. Uh, but, but the Bible says you shouldn't be greedy. Are they greedy? And then there's some people who love Jesus and follow Jesus, and they've taken a vow of poverty. But the Bible never calls for us to take a vow of poverty. So are they, are they more righteous than me if I live in a house and have like a car? What's right? What's wrong? Well, we have to go back to the source of truth. 
and we start digging through the scriptures and we see the examples of the scriptures and we see the teachings of the scriptures and, and we see how God interacts with people through the Bible. And then the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit helps us with is translating the Bible into our lives personally. So are you saying that what God convicts you about with your money may be different than what God convicts this other person about with their money? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because you can eat cereal, you can scoop ice cream, you can make sand, but the spoon isn't a hamster. There's a parameter. What is it? How do we interact with it? See, our morality is like that. We all interact with our morality. And, and if you talk to some people, uh, that they would say, you know what? God, God is anti-sex. You sh- we should all be Victorian. And God is anti-sex. Cover your head, cover your face, cover your ankles. And God is anti-sex. Is God anti-sex? And I'm here to tell you the truth of Jesus Christ. No, he is not. He is pro-sex. And he said it is good, right? So he, he is not anti-sex. But there's a parameter to it. The parameter of a New Testament marriage. What's a New Testament marriage? Well, the Bible lays it out. What's the point of a marriage? H- how do you make a marriage function? What, what, well, it's all in the book. See, it's all in the book. And we search the book and we understand these principles. We understand this purpose. We understand the heart and the mind of God. And then we translate that into God. Uh, the government. Do you guys know there's an election coming up? Did anybody hear about that? The other day, I thought I was watching Jerry Springer, but it was a debate. I didn't, I didn't know it. And so, like, so there's an election coming up. So the big question is, what do I do with the election, right? What's God's view of government? Is God a, a Republican? I hope not. Is God a Democrat? I hope not. What is God? Well, God, it's really interesting. Are, am I a, are you a Republican? I hope not, if you're a Christ follower. Are you a Democrat? I hope not, if you're a Christ follower. Are you a Libertarian? I hope not, if you're a Christ follower, although you are real chilled about everything, Right? <laughs> Are you a Green Party? I hope not if you're a Christ follower. Are you an American? I hope not if you're a Christ follower. Bible says something different. Bible says that when I become a Christ follower, I actually enter into a new citizenship. I'm a citizen of heaven. And my ownership, my value, my outlook, what I care about is different than it has ever been when I was a citizen of earth. The kingdom values, kingdom principles are what drive me, not earthly values and earthly principles. It's really interesting that God does not call us to save a nation. He calls us to build a kingdom. And those two things are very, very different outcomes. So should I go Amish? Should I not vote? Nope, didn't say that at all. We should engage. Well, how do I engage? As a citizen of heaven. Well, how would a citizen of heaven engage? Exactly. It's, let's dig into the book. Let's go to the source of truth. Let's get to the foundation. Because uh, you can eat ice cream, you can eat cereal, you can make a sandcastle, but the spoon is not a hamster. There's, per- there's parameters. What should we do? Right. L- let's look and see what God says. Because there's all these mixed messages. How can you call yourself a Christian and not vote for Hillary? How can you call yourself a Christian and not vote for Trump? How can you? Right. And as a follower of Jesus, I stand outside of all of that noise. 
and I'm single-minded. I'm looking for the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the examples of Christ. And I live above it, and I live beyond it. Maybe my example for political and civil interaction is not Ronald Reagan. Maybe it's Daniel. Just saying, it's in the book. We could look at that and see if there is a third way that we might approach things. See? But this is what I do as a Christ follower. I believe that there is a source. I, I believe that truth, first of all, is discoverable. I believe that there's a source. I go into that source, and I'm asking God, God, you clarify for me. You show me. Holy Spirit, you lead me. You convict me. And then, and then I bring that even into the great, God also gives us the church. What do you think? What do you think? What are you doing? How do you interpret this passage? But we're not arguing politics. We're looking and searching and gleaning from the word of God. And the apostle Paul said to Titus, this is what we do. Titus chapter 2, verse 12 we renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So we're, we're taught sin's out, sin's off the table. So we renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and we discover the book to live sensible, upright, and godly lives in this present age. As a Christ follower, I, I do not withdraw from the present age. I don't, that's why I don't, don't turn off your social media. Engage it. Don't, don't abstain from the election. Engage it. Don't let your kids do whatever. Engage them. Don't let your marriage drift into whatever. Engage it, right? I put off ungodliness and unrighteousness, and I learn the heart and the mind of Christ. I engage the word of God. Why? So I can live sensibly, so that I can live upright, so that I can live godly. When? Now. In this present age. I need the wisdom of God, the guidance of God, the heart of God, the mind of God, and I'm going to find that at the source of truth. And as a Christ follower, this is what we do. Guys, listen, if you're a Christian, especially if you're new at following Jesus, this is a fundamental truth of being a Christ follower. Fundamentally, follow Jesus 101. I yield to the authority of Scripture. If the Bible says it, I'm in. Because you're closed-minded? No, because I'm single-minded. I yield to the authority of Scripture. And every other idea and every other philosophy and every other philosopher is working against the truth of the Scripture. But that's where I go. That's what I lock into. And that's where I glean truth from. And that's what I allow then to govern my life. Single-mindedness. Now, the opposite of single-mindedness is what the Bible calls double-mindedness. And if you flip over to the right a few pages to the book of James... God talks about this. In our last series, Foolproof, we talked a ton about James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We talked to that, about that verse a ton. That if you lack wisdom, what do you do? You go to God. He's not mad at you for not knowing. He, he, he wants you to have it. Truth is out there. It's right here. Truth is not an enigma. It's, it's not undiscoverable. It, it, it's right there. But Solomon told his sons, you have to go get it. God doesn't just download it into you. You pursue God. You go get truth, right? So if you lack it, ask God. He'll give to you generously without finding fault. That's the promise. And then he follows that with a warning. Verse 6, chapter 1, James. But when you ask, 
You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. When I'm looking for the heart and the mind of God and I go to the Word of God and it's a foundational truth and I find out that a spoon's a spoon and I walk away from it and say, I refuse to believe that, that is a hamster. God looks and says, listen, when you ask and I showed you and now you doubt, now you're living in rebellion against truth. Ooh, you're going to be a mess. And a lot of what we would call our cultural frustrations right now are because we're a double-minded people. We ask God to bless us and protect us, and then we do things that are direct violations of his word and celebrate those. See? Now, you bring that into your family room, we do the same thing. God bless me, protect me, but I am not guarding my eyes and watching what I watch. God bless me and protect me, but I am not going to restrain my morality. God bless me and protect me, but I am not. Don't even ask me for money, Jeff. And we say, I, I want this. And God says, okay, here it is. It's in the book. I'm not doing that. And God says, oh, man, now you're in trouble. You're blown and tossed by the way. That is going to backfire. And you are double-minded. You're unstable in all that you do, because you sought truth, I revealed truth, and now you're ignoring truth. See? And the mixed messages comes in. And, and it's the idea that when I'm, when I'm in church, boy, when I'm in church, I got church face on, and I'm singing the songs and raising my hands and worshiping God, but the minute I hop into the car, this is the message that's blasting that I engage. When I'm in church, I'm all about the kids getting grounded, making sure they have some kind of an ethical and moral standard. But when I go home, I just, I'm dialing out. All, when I'm in church, I'm all about let's help the, the poor people and let's make sure that they have what they need in Haiti. But the minute that somebody needs generosity from me, it's a double-minded person. Instead of looking and saying, okay, God, I have this complicated thing where this person needs money, they always need money Show me, lead me, help me. Life group leader, pastor, whoever, would you show me, lead me, help, talk this through, help me know how to apply God's word. I'm just ignoring it. I'm out. And this is what James saying. When you ask, you gotta, you gotta receive. Later on he says you have to humbly receive the word of God planted in you. you have to let the foundation be the foundation. And as a Christ follower, I bring myself under the authority of God's word. It's kind of the church way of saying it. The normal way of saying it is I, I let God be God and remember that I am not him. That God, you guide me and you direct me and you show me and I will lean into your truths to be what helps me to be sensible, upright, and godly today on the planet in this present age. Single-minded people, Christ followers, look to the thing in which God most clearly reveals his heart and his mind. That's what the Bible, it's not basic instructions before leaving earth. That's a horrible bumper sticker and a worse t-shirt. This is the revelation of the heart and the mind of God. 
I want to know how God thinks. I want to know how God feels. I want to know what God thinks. You know, how would he, what did he do? What are the examples? What did he say? Show me so that my mind is renewed and, and I want to capture those thoughts and press them into it. A Christ follower does not look to the culture for solutions. It, it's not, who, we better get this person elected or has that ever worked? No. A Christ follower does not look to traditions to solution. What we need to do is we need to go back to that toothpaste is not going back in that tube. The Christ follower does not look to themselves for solutions. There is no truth, I'll just create my own. The Christ follower does not look to trends for solutions. Well, you know, in this modern time, human beings have never changed. Same thing always, just carried out differently. The Christ follower goes to the source of truth, and we look to Christ through his word, and we allow Christ to define us and direct us, and only then will our answers be consistent and timeless and authoritative. Guys, listen, if we're not answering our kids from God's word, then we're giving them our opinions, and our opinions always have holes in them because they're human opinions. If we're going to our culture and we're not consistently answering from God's word, regardless of whether it agrees with a political position or not, then what will happen is this. We will attach the credibility, my personal credibility and the credibility of the church of Jesus Christ and the credibility of Christ himself to a flawed human being. God wants you to vote for X. Well, X got into office and flip-flopped and then all the video came out. All the emails were discovered. We don't attach ourselves to a human being. We attach ourselves to Christ, right? And I find his heart and I find his mind in the scripture because he is God and I am not. Is it true that God loves you and wants what's best for you? Absolutely true. Is it true that God gave his only son to rescue you from sin because he wants relationship with you? Absolutely true. Is it true that God is not inspecting you, judging you, that he loves you and enjoys you and created you to be in relationship? Absolutely true. Is it true that God is compassionate and generous and takes the whole of his deity and, and gives it for your benefit because he loves you? Absolutely true. Is it true that God is God and you are not? Absolutely true. And there's a part of our relationship with God where we look and say, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of my pay grade here. I'm, I'm going to discover truth from God, not create it for myself. I'm going to discover direction from God, not create. I'm going to not lean into my own understanding, but in all my ways submit to God and allow him to direct this path. Once in a while, God reminds us of this, and he does in Isaiah chapter 46. He says, truly I am God, I have no peer. Truly I am God, I have no peer. I am God, there is none like me. Who announces the end from the beginning and reveals beforehand what has not yet occurred? Who says my plan will be realized? I will accomplish what I desire. Who summons an eagle from the east, from a distant land, one who carries out my plan? Yes, I have decreed. Yes, I will bring to pass. I have formulated a plan. Yes, I will carry it out. I, truly, I am God. Uh, you're not. I have no peer. I'm God, you're not. Uh, truly, I am God. There's none like me. 
I, I'm, not, I'm not one of a plethora of opinions. I'm, I'm the end of the line. And I love you, and I brought my power and my majesty to bear for you. I am not against you, but there are times that we all have to remember that someone else is in and of and above the world, and it's not me. And there is no greater opinion to search for than God's. I uh, had somebody leave in church last night because some people love Jesus a lot and didn't stay home for the tribe in the Ohio State game. I'm just saying, you guys are shallow. But anyways, there are people here, and uh, I was talking about this, and last night she's leaving, and she looked at me, and she goes, just tell me who to vote for. And I said, what? She goes, you, just say it. She goes, if you just say it, then everybody will vote for it. And she goes, just say it. Just tell me who to vote for. I said, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. She goes, why not? I said, I wouldn't waste my credibility on that. And she says, should I vote for Hillary? Should I vote for Trump? I'm like, ouch, I know. I said, I wouldn't vote for a person. I'd vote for issues. And, and I said, I, I, would, I, would look, I would look at the scripture and see what God values the most, and then I would vote for those issues, regardless of whether they benefit you politically or not. Because there's some things that are very close to the heart of God, and some things that are very close to the opinions of man. And I would find the issues that are very close to the heart of God, and then I would do the math on how to best get those issues exercised. She said, are you afraid to say who to vote for because of the IRS? I said, no, I'm not afraid of the IRS. That's a bogus argument anyways. It doesn't even apply. People made that up so they can chicken out. I, I said, I won't attach God's credibility to a person because he will always, that person will always let us down. Which one do you like more? The guy with all the sex scandals or all the emails disappearing? I'm not giving my life to either one of them. I want to know what God thinks. And I'm, probably, I'm going to walk into the voting booth as, as a citizen of heaven and honestly probably try to put together some kind of a thought process that that the heart and the mind of God most maybe now I'm not going to pass but I told her I said you need to quit asking me who to vote for instead of asking God what are you asking me for I'm just a guy I got opinions I got preferences you just can't figure them out which I like right I, if you've ever done counseling with me I get this in counseling people come into me and they'll say Jeff just tell me what to do tell me what to do and I'll say I'm not telling you what to do well, you're supposed to be the answer, man. Just tell me what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Why not? Because I don't have to live your life. I don't, I, don't have to go to, I don't have to go lay in the bed you made. Quit asking me. Start asking God. I'll tell you what God says. Humbly submit to the word. Let yourself be convicted, trained for righteousness, corrected, reproved by God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16. Let me, I'll show you what God, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Tell me how to raise my kids. My kids are a mess. Yeah, I, we all know that. Right? I don't know. What should I do? Tell me what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Why not? Because I'm, if I told you what to do or what I did, I don't know that you would execute it properly. I was raised by a healthy dad. Therefore, I tend to have a sense of what healthy discipline is. If you weren't, it's a completely different conversation for you. Quit asking me. Ask, ask God. He's a mystery. No, he's not. 
ask, he'll give generously without finding fault. How am I supposed to meet with God? There's a book. If you want to meet with God, grab a cup of coffee, hang out with God. There's a source of truth. Don't ask me what to do. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the mind of Christ. Now, bring it in the wise counsel, life group, biblical community, your pastors, but we're going to point you toward the heart of God, right? And guys, when, when you, if you start answering people out of your opinions, you start answering people even out of your experiences, you start to, well, when I was a parent, what I did was, well, times are different and you're not that other person. So there's no truth? No, the spoon's a spoon. It's not a hamster. But I used it to eat cereal with. You're using it to make sandcastles. Neither one of us are violating God's word, but we're applying it completely differently. If you would go to the word and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, then he would show you how to apply the spoon. And I'm glad to talk with you about that, but I'm not going to give you our opinions. We're going to give you what God's word says, and you can do that on your, your own even. And there's a million things. What do you do with taxes? What do you do with gun rights? What do you do with, what do you do with uh, who do you vote for on American Idol? Which voice would you choose? Right, what, right. It, it, it's on and on and on and on. And I'm like, yeah, the, the, this is life. This is why we need wisdom, our last series. This, this, is, this is the way that it works. It is amplifying. It's only going to become more and more intense. That's not the issue. The issue is where do I go and look for an answer from? And when, when I can quote you more of Rush and Sean and Glenn than Jesus, I probably have invested too much of myself into an earthly answer. If, if, I, if I know more about Wolf, Wolf Blitzer and, and Fox News thinks about then I would have a construct of how God would look at society and my citizenship, then I've invested myself into an earthly answer which will not last, which has to be crumbled, which has holes, which will break down immediately and is not timeless. But if I look and say, this is what God is like. He was like this from the beginning of government forward, from Abraham through the Old Testament, Daniel all the way up to Christ and the Romans. It's all, all the same answer that God will give you. See? He's that way with, well, what do I do with this person who's malfunctioning in my life? Because this person says, take them to rehab, and this person says, this is right. Human beings have never changed from Cain and Abel forward. And so the timeless tooth, truth of Scripture is right there. There's an answer. Well, how do I apply it exactly? There's a spoon, it's not a hamster, and it needs to be applied in different ways. And we have to get into the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to be involved in the process and bring ourselves under the authority of God's Word. And all of a sudden, we have a stable platform off of which to more life. Is it, do we have to copy you? Please don't copy me. If you want to copy Jeff... Copy the part where he goes to the book for answers. But you can't raise your kids the way Heidi and I raise our kids. You can't approach life because we're not each other. That's closed-minded. That's silly. That becomes legalism. But we can all go to the same book. You can't have the same convictions about material things that I have. We have different convictions. We have different opportunities. But we all go to the same book. 
empathy. And as a follower of Christ, Jesus following 101, we pull out of culture, we pull out of opinion, we pull out of peer groups, and we say your viewpoints are validated or invalidated by the Word of God. And we're going to go to the source. The source has authority and credibility in our lives. And from that place, we form then our path. God makes it straight and leads us through it, right? So that's what we're going to do through this series. It's going to be fun. It's going to be lots and lots of fun. And we're going we're gonna to pick some of these issues and we're going to look at God's word and see all that it says and sound doctrine, good theology, put together a thought process. What did Jesus do? What are the examples in the Bible? And we're going we're gonna to start to build what we call a Christian worldview or a Christ-centered worldview from Jesus up, right? And see where that leads us and uh, where that lands us, okay? All right, this is what we'll do here as we wrap up this week. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and I, guys, I just simply ask God this question. Ask God to show you in your heart any place that your worldview is formed by something other than Christ. Is there an is there earthly, worldly message that's dominating you? When you even think about the election and the angst, wait a minute, God's bigger than... Is there something dominating your heart and your, your mind outside of Jesus? And, and then just bring that to the Lord. Confess it, turn it over, and start seeking the heart and mind of Christ. Ask God to even bring that to mind now, okay? Jesus, we love you. Help us with this. God, I'm as guilty as everybody of taking too much confidence in what I think and the certainty of how I think things should happen. I'm as guilty as anybody of consuming news and information and getting fired up about this or that. And Lord, help us to be passionate about what you're passionate about. Help us to be stubborn about what you're stubborn about. Help us to be loving and humble and grace-filled. And Lord, to humbly submit to the Word of God planted in us so that you are forming us. For me, you're forming me, God, from my, myself and my family and my friendships all the way through the global issues of our time. So Jesus, do that now. Press into our hearts, press into our lives. Draw us closer to you, deeper to you, and help us to have a hunger and a love for your heart and mind as revealed in your word.